Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of First and Fifteen as we cover the Baffa National League SWC division. Um, this is our final game day review show as we review game day four and the final game of the SW of the SWC season. Um, we did it. We managed to make it through a full season without COVID affecting anything, uh, albeit a truncated season. Um, as the rest of rest of the, the country goes on with their game day five and in some cases game day six. But for us in the SWC, it is all over. Um, as ever, I am joined by my trusty companions, Jay Ballamy and Gareth Price. H- how are you, gentlemen? Uh, licking my wounds from the weekend, Lewis, but I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. Thank you, Lewis. Yeah, enough from you, Gareth. <laughs> Good, good. So, um, right. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, a, a really exciting slate of games for us to um, for us to talk about. I guess the first thing we can we can start by announcing um, when we did the preview show, uh, we weren't sure it was just a nasty rumor at the time, but the uh, Isle of Wight Hellhounds did indeed pull out of their game day in Canesham uh, and were superseded by the Sol Redstorm, who took the opportunity to uh, take on the away affiliate game so more of that when we come to it um but let's uh, dive right in i'll go through the same order that we did uh the preview show uh, unfortunately ryan hobalone can't be with us uh tonight um so it is just the three of us um but we'll touch upon his predictions as we go through um so starting as we did before with the cheltenham game day uh and i'll, I'll actually go through the order that it happened on the day rather than the order that it was supposed to go down as. Um, so it started out with a very testy affair um, between the Neptunes and the Devils. And and Jay, you were you were there with us uh, on this day as well. We had a very special guest, Jay Ballamy, turned up to spectate. So we have double the coverage today. Yeah. Um, Lewis, I mean, you had, the, you had an even closer view than me because you were refing this game. Um, but yes, I decided to make the long old journey up to Gloucester to watch this. Um, it was a very, very tense game, wasn't it? Between two. It was. Um, I, I wouldn't want to wish referee in this game on anyone. <laughs> no, and 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 um, privately, you've had you've had my um you've had my think tank about that one, so I won't go into it. But it was it was definitely a difficult game to be a part of with either side, really. Um, and it was one I believe, if memory serves me correctly, Lewis. I don't want to be incorrect. It went down to the very last play. Uh, more or less, yeah. I think uh, Cheltenham scored the extra point that put them ahead. Um, the game finished 33-32 and Cheltenham scored the extra point that put them ahead, leaving Reddin with, I think, just 19 seconds left on the clock, something like that. So I think Reddin had a chance for two or three Hail Marys, uh, but um, ultimately never came off. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, really, the tail of the game was probably 50-50 calls. Um, and it was tight. It was tight in a lot of places. Cheltenham certainly have found their rhythm underneath um, in the in the offence. They've gone from this team where we expect them to actually tear teams above the, above, the, above the safety line apart to a team that can actually operate inside five yards and, and do a lot of damage, which I was really, really pleased to see. You know, if they can knit the two together seamlessly and get a good balance, that'll be a really, really dangerous offense for years to come. Um, Reading were 
probably lacking some experience back there with Hegarty injured. Um, there's a number of injuries throughout the game through various different contact-related uh, incidents. Um, uh, but equally, probably lost their way in the middle of the game, and 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 will look at this look back at this game as one they probably feel they should have won. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I think this this game was. I think the Neptunes were full uh, good value for their for their win, um, and but this could have gone either way. Uh, and that that final um, that final throw uh, for the extra point, we talked about it and as a refing crew for quite a, quite a long time to make sure that we got we knew how important this call was going to be, um, and we talked about it for a long time to make sure that we got uh, what we believed to be the right call, and we were all on the same page. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pass. Uh, we felt the ball crossed the plane of the goal in the air before it was caught right at the front of the end zone. Um, uh, and we felt that the receiver, can't remember who it was, um, possessed the ball for long enough uh, and had control of the ball for it to count as a, a controlled reception before it was batted out of his hands by the defender. Uh, and ultimately, that's uh, where the decision came from. Um, but I mean, I think this—if this game went the other way—then I think you know, Reading were also good value for for it had they had they done. It was a really good, test, tense, close game. Like I say, I don't envy anyone that had to referee it. Sounds like a sounds like an absolute cracker, and of course, important in the scope of the league because it's the result that gives the Neptunes a a fantastic second place. Something that uh, we must all eat a slice of humble pie for because none of us came close to predicting that. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've certainly been pretty vocal about that on uh, on social media uh, and, and fair Rightly play to so. them. Rightly so, absolutely. And uh, we, I guess we'll talk more about that when we come to do our season review uh, probably next week, but more on that later. Um, we'll move on to game two. Uh, unless anyone's got anything else they want to add on... Um, Neptune's Devils? No, not particularly. I mean, it was a it was a physical game back and forth, but um, yeah, if you're a neutral, you got your money's worth. <laughs> so the next game up was the the Falcons versus the Devils, um, and I think yes, yeah, some of the some of that animosity certainly carried over. Um, but this one ended forty-one twenty-five uh, to to the Devils, uh, and and no, maybe my my memory uh, isn't excellent about this game but I feel like we may have been in this game more in the first half and then the Devils ran away with it in the second half but I can't remember exactly what the halftime score was Yeah so I, I, I as you do with these sort of Sunday league type fixtures I only stayed for the first half because I had a barbecue to go to um, <laughs> so um, yeah you're, you're absolutely right Lewis I think in the first half it was fairly even score wise I'd say um I'd say you're right. The animosity probably spilled over into the second game, and and there was certainly a, a lot of back and forth between the two teams. Um, I don't obviously don't know what happened in the second half, but it was definitely very methodical from Exeter. So before this game, we obviously felt that there was some tenseness coming from the Devils towards us, um, and I know I did bite a couple of times, uh, despite the fact that yeah. before the game I said to my to my guys, look, they're gonna they're gonna be talking, they're gonna be goading us, they're gonna say things, they're gonna do things. Just don't rise to it. I know I rose to it a couple of times, um, but you know, yeah. do as I say, not as I do. 
I would not absolve anybody, and that's that's a whether you're in a red or a green or a black shirt or whatever you were wearing the other day. I wouldn't absolve anybody of any um, jibes for sure. Um, I we think, were certainly I think a it, lot more careful when Reading were refereeing us. <laughs> yes, yes, as, as as I think you should have been. Um, but yeah, I think it, there was definitely a lot of back and forth between both teams, at least in the half that I saw. Um, yeah, and... I think uh, I think Reading got a warning at halftime uh, and were a little better behaved in the second half. Well, that's uh, oddly enough, that's when I left. So there you go, lads. <laughs> if there's any correlation, um... you're a bad influence, Jane. <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm like a little devil on Hegarty's shoulder, really, aren't I? <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah. So it, there was definitely a, definitely a chippy edge to the game, but in the first half, it was very, very um, even in terms of score. I'd say probably it looked to me like the the Falcons were having to work quite hard for the, the yards they were gaining, whereas the Devils probably had a little bit more flexibility in them, and and that probably spilled over into the second half. I would imagine. I'm only projecting my thoughts here that that Reading had that have that extra gear to go to and, and maybe after the adjustments the Falcons didn't is that fair Lewis? Yeah, yeah I was going to say actually thinking about it it's kind of reminiscent of the Chichester game um, to give Gareth some context in that I think um, I think we came out in the first half and, and like like we did against Chichester kind of showed our hand um, and said this is what we this is what we have to give um, and that was enough to keep pace with Reading in the first half and in the second half, much like Chichester, they were like, okay, well, our bag of tricks goes a little deeper. Uh, and that's where they were able to hit the next gear and uh, and kind of take, take the win. Well, kudos. I mean, it, it does seem that that I think is possibly a bit closer than I predicted the score being. Um, Reading still think they're a very, very good team. Um, I'm going to be controversial. I'm, I'm going to be getting boos from the Cheltenham listeners for this but I, I still believe that they're the second best team in the division controversial I know um, but uh, I think that's a, a very respectable score for the Falcons against the Devils Yeah, it'll yeah, be interesting and... to see what a full Falcons team would do hmm. um, against that Reading team really wouldn't it, it Yeah, would. I, I think if, if this year has taught me anything it's that I think when we're, at, when we're firing on all cylinders and we're at full capacity there's absolutely no reason why we can't hang with the likes of Chichester and, and Reddin and, and Weston and all of like West, the Weston game was particularly close. Um, and I think again, on a, on a different day, we'd perhaps take that one. Uh, it's difficult. It's more difficult to say that when you lose in 41, 25 and whatever it was against Chichester, I can't remember. Those were less close games. Um, but I think with, uh, I say with a, a full capacity, full strength Falcon squad, um, then those games can certainly be a little bit more competitive, and uh, we could take our chances to to nick a win there. So I'm looking forward to next season. <laughs> I mean, you, you you see it with Gwent at the moment in in the Welsh division. It just this doesn't seem to be the way to go about it. You look at teams like Gwent and Exeter that have tried to create two evenly matched teams and then neither lives up to the expectation of the club as a whole Um, and then you look at sort of the Scottish teams where they've got a very definite A and a B side and the B sides aren't doing all that well but they're developing and they're going to play other B sides in in the Scottish division whereas the A sides obviously are are meeting the expectations that clubs with that many players have for themselves. So moving on to the final game of the day, uh, it was then Neptunes and Falcons. Uh, this game ended 36-31. Uh, 
to the Neptunes, um, but another really close game, and and a game I really enjoyed being a part of. Um, there's been one or two of those of the, these games this year. Um, Berkshire Renegades game was another one. We we lost it, but it was a, a really good game to be a part of and, and really enjoyable despite the loss. Um, I think the Neptunes ultimately uh, took this on extra point efficiency. So um, both Justin and I both threw for five touchdowns, but they uh, they were able to convert all of their touchdowns and we were only able to convert one of ours. So that was ultimately the difference. And then, uh, of course, you've got so some players. I, I see Freddie Burridge had himself quite the day on offense for the Neptune, six touchdowns. Yeah, um, so I was going to mention this. Um, we've done a lot of chatting on this show about Justin Thomas and about Luke Cavallaras, but mm. Freddie Burridge really impressed me and absolutely deserves to be involved in the same conversation as both of those other Neptunes. He was really on form on the day. And, and arguably was, I mean, I think I think they gave him the overall MVP um, for for that game day for them. And yeah, you can't argue with that. He was absolutely their most valuable player. Excellent. And I see uh, kudos and uh, well done to Jake Tillett for his three interceptions on the day for the Falcons, which puts him... At the top of the interception <laughs> Not that I'm yeah. bitter, but well, well done, Jake. That's an outstanding gonna, yeah. performance from a rookie, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and, and it wasn't just on defence either. He finished the day with four offensive touchdowns as well. And the guy, he was our MVP that we voted for this week. The guy did everything um, this week. He was the epitome of most valuable player. He was, yeah, really, uh, really glad to have him on board and, and yeah, uh, an amazing achievement to, to top that table for most interceptions and um, in the division and, and yeah, really hanging with some, uh, some, some top, top flight uh, company at the top of that table as well. So well done, Jake. But yeah, this game was really good, really enjoyable, really back and forth all the way. Um, I think, yeah, there was there was n- not one moment of the game where it was just like, okay, this is a comfortable lead. Nobody held a comfortable lead ever, um, and it went right down to I think. Well, it went right right down to the last hail mary play, which we had to rerun, I think, four times because of various different penalties. We ended up having four bites of the cherry, um, and I think by this point. I think by this point, we were mathematically uh, unable to win the game. Um, I think we got the Hail Mary. Um, I think Jake caught a stunning touchdown, deep ball in the back of the end zone. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, we were we were out of time. Well, sounds like a, a couple of good games down there. Would have been nice to watch them. So moving on to the other game going on at the same time. Uh, which was in Exeter. Uh, I understand you all had a bit of a, tr- uh, a, a rush day thanks to some um, some heavy traffic. I think both teams were late turning up, if I understand right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was personally enjoying a, a long weekend in uh, Exeter anyway, um, <laughs> but both Berkshire and uh, my 
teammates from Chichester found it, the traffic getting down to uh, to Exeter, pretty shocking. Um, Berkshire called ahead and, and let everybody know that they probably weren't going to have their whole team there on time. Um, so we rearranged the schedule um, to start with Sharks-Falcons. Unfortunately, many of the Sharks were also stuck in traffic, so they didn't get there till nearly 12. Um, but Exeter kindly allowed us to have a bit of a warm-up before we uh, we got going. Um, didn't seem to affect us all that badly, would be a diplomatic way of putting it. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it seemed quite close by the looks of it, Gareth. Yeah, so um, Sharks Falcons ended uh, 80 to 19. Um, it started off with uh, Andy Jenkins, who was playing his last league matches for Chichester, and he's retiring at the end of this season. Uh, oh, he, wow. Yeah, he got his first ever pick six on the first play of the game. That's fantastic. So, Great way to to end. I mean, his that was that was our retirement present to him. <laughs> yeah, planned, right? Yeah, that was that was that was that was for free. Much much appreciated. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they could have thrown a, him a better pass if that was the case, because he he picked it up off his bootlaces and uh, and ran it in, and uh, things then sort of went from bad to worse for Exeter. Um, they got going a little bit on offense. Um, unfortunately, they lost. Patrick early in the game um, and I think that probably had had an effect on what they planned to do um, but I thought Will Granger had a had a good game, he got a couple of touchdowns and an extra point um, but Chichester, we got four interceptions and we held Exeter to a, to a lot of quick four and outs um, Craig Brown had another great game putting, putting pressure on Jay quarterback um, and offensively We've we've had sort of a, a situation this year where we've had one really good half of football and then one not so good half in each game. That wasn't the case. It was it was just relentless in this one. Neil threw for nine touchdowns. Uh, Will Quigley caught five of them. Corey got a hat trick. And I think think by his own admission, he'd say he was a bit slow getting started this season. Um, but it's really great from a Chichester perspective to see Corey back. Um, you know at at full strength and doing what he does best. Um, on D, I think Paul Hindle had a had a decent game for Exeter, and and I suppose if you're looking for some positives, it was the the most points that Exeter Green have scored this season. So that's something. <laughs> you take what you can, right? I mean, it's it's hard to find positives from from a game where you lose by 60 points but to their credit exeter were um in good spirits throughout it and you know there's a there's a lot of potential on that team um there's a lot of good players uh they just really haven't got firing this season and you know hopefully with a with another off season and you know some potentially some some changes in the way exeter are doing things as an organization i'm i'm sure they'll all bounce back yeah, for sure. Yeah, there'll be changes next year. So, what was your second game? Did that? Did you go straight into the Renegades Sharks game next? So, yeah, straight into Sharks Renegades. Um, much the same from a Sharks perspective. This one ended sixty-four to six. Neil threw for another eight touchdowns, including his eight hundredth league touchdown to Shorty. So, so it's one for every year he's been alive. 
Well, he's I... not going to come on the show now. I nah, that's fine. Think... We'll get him in before we release this. <laughs> I don't think Neil will stop till he gets his a thousand. Now, if he's yeah. uh, if he's yeah, got absolutely. fifty in, if he, he's got more than fifty in half a season, you know, two more seasons. Who knows? Um, will Quigley again? Three touchdowns, uh, two picks, another pick six. He got one in the first game against the Falcons, got another one in this. Um, and then Andy Jenkins mentioned him before, the the retiring Shark. He got his first receiving touchdown in his very last game for oh, the Sharks. Have, so, a, have a day, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the Renegades, they, they showed a lot of promise. There are a lot of good athletic players. Um, for me, uh, James Gilmore... Very strong man coverage defender, great speed, really good effort. Um, their centre, I think his name was Dan. He's a really good rangy centre. Uh, Ashley, I think was number zero. Not sure if that's legal, Ashley, but good on you for rocking the number zero. Definitely um, not. <laughs> really, really <laughs> quick player. Had had a, had a couple of problems with some drops, but was constantly getting open in in both games. Um, so, yeah. The Renegades have got a lot of potential. For me, they need to move away from their, their man-to-man defence. It's, it's something that a lot of clubs start with and then you know realise that it's not necessarily the way to go against more experienced flag football teams anymore. Um, but, you I know, they've... It's, it's, it's still got its place in flag, it, but it, it, it in very has specific its place, situations. But, I mean, there are, there are certain teams... For me, man coverage, and we we could do a whole podcast on defensive philosophy, but (laughs) for me, man coverage against teams that are as athletic or more athletic than you is is usually a bad idea. Agree completely. Um, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely, it has its place, but I mean, there there needed to be a a plan B, or indeed, for me, a, a plan A that had something to do with zone. But I think... You know they'll learn from this experience, and there's no reason that that group of players um, cannot find success in Division One next year. So I hope they do, because um, they're a fun bunch as well. Well, I know for sure that that's two people that have told them exactly the same thing. So Berkshire, if you're listening, take it on board, because we went over and had a chat with them after our game and said, you know, well that was a really good game. You know, congratulations, well done. Like really enjoyed that. Uh, and they were asking for feedback. They said, you know, what, what do you think we can do? Like, how, how can we get better? And I was like, you need to move away from man defense. That is numerous. Like, they got, their quarterback's got a great arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they could maybe be some, some sort of, they could throw in some tweaks to their offensive playbook, but not much really. Um, they've, got, they've got a nice big... blend of physicality and speed on offense. Yeah, There's, and, and yeah. Yeah, a couple of big body guys as well mm. that can bo- box out defenders. Their, their Achilles heel at the moment is they run a man defense. So, yeah, yeah that's two people that have told you that now, Berkshire. Uh, I expect to see a zone defense next year. <laughs> I personally um, would prefer if you just kept on playing a man defense. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they I thought they they did really well and uh, they did very well in the in the game against the the Falcons, which was the final uh, game of the day and, and by far the most interesting. Um, Before we go on to that, I do need to ask the question on everybody's minds. I know is with all the touchdowns that the the Sharks were throwing. Mm. How many different quarterbacks were there? 
Uh, I'm afraid it was just the Neil Henderson show. Oh, for God's sake, Chichester, (laughs) what are you doing? I've I've, I've asked you to do one simple thing all season. (laughs) Corey underthrew me on one, and then we just went back to Neil. Corey, I'm so disappointed. I saw saw 80 and I went, good lads, well done, you've done it. I'm I'm genuinely so gutted. I'd apologise, but I've I've never had an interest in you, the Chichester Town. You, you just don't care, so it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, mo- moving on now to the the best game of the day: um, Falcons twelve, Renegade six. As as a defensively minded man, I I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was nil uh, nil until three minutes from the end. Um, and then wow. the final three drives all resulted in scores. Um, Falcons started it. Now, forgive me, Falcons, if I've got these in the wrong order, but I believe the first one was uh, a pass from Jay to Paul Hindle. Um, it was a great pass and a fantastic catch by Paul, who had a defender all over him. Um, it was always going to take a big play to break that game, and uh, it was a big play. Um, and then the Renegades hit straight back, um, drove it straight down the field and scored. Um, Exeter, with, with very little time, very methodically moved it down the pitch. And uh, it was Jay who, uh, who ran it in on a, on a quarterback scramble. I mean, he's a, technically he was the running back. Ethan passed it back to him and he just ran it in in the corner. Um, but a fantastic game for the neutral, just... An exciting defensive struggle. Um, I'll, and... uh, I'll I'll be I'll be chastised if I don't mention it. Um, but I think the the play that set up that final t- uh, winning touchdown uh, was Joe Bishop gets his first career league interception, um, which set that up. Yes, and it was a it was a good pick, and he he beat two defenders to take it most of the way back down the pitch. It was a, a good run after catch as well. There you go. Well done, Joe. Um, but yeah, it, it really felt like it was going to end nil-nil. So it took a big play to to change the course of this game. And, and thankfully for Exeter, they got one. Um, but it, it really could have gone either way. Um, every team had opportunities. Um, there were various interceptions, various great plays defensively on fourth down. Um and, you know, again, some great effort from some of the Renegades defenders. Um, so, yeah, good game. Awesome. Right. Wow. Uh, that just leaves one last game day uh, to go. And that was the following day on the Sunday at Canesham. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Hellhounds were not present. So there was just the one Baffer game to play. Uh, and that was the Supers and the Kings. Uh, I think this game ended with a 44-6 win to the Supers. Jay, do you want to take us through it? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, as our only representative from there. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll be quite magnanimous here. Um, I think the Supers played really, really well. I think they were really, really on it throughout the day. They clearly had a structure and way they wanted to go about the game and did it in a really, really well and effective way. Um, I'd love to say that the Kings didn't play well. I thought our defense actually played fairly okay on that day. Um, I personally did not have my best game. I think it's probably my worst game I've ever played. 
And I'm not just saying that because of the scoreline. I, I genuinely believe I've, I've probably um, pooped the bed. I'm not sure whether we're supposed to, you know, go any further than that in terms of <laughs> uh, expletives. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't play very well. And as a quarterback, that makes a bit of a difference to an offense. So, uh, but take nothing away from the Supers. They absolutely did play well. You've got Matt Keyes firing in uh, in full season form. And you've got um, Sam Matthews running things uh, where he basically wants to. So, yeah, all credit to the Supers on the day. Played really, really well. What was interesting, looking for, looking at the stats from this game, um, is... Uh, they, I don't think they've actually... They've not put them on, on League Republic, but I've seen the score sheets. I don't think Sam scored in that game, did he? He might not have done, to be honest. Um because I remember I was looking to to keep I was keeping up on some of the things we were talking about the the tables and how they were finishing. So Gareth's bold prediction was that Sam Matthews was to finish top touchdown scorer. So I was looking to see how he did, and when I saw that forty four points scored, I was like, Sam must be must be in on some of those, but I don't think he did. Yeah, and and without diving too deep into strategy and whatnot, obviously our game plan was to limit his effectiveness in the red zone. Um, and certainly he was definitely involved in between in between the 20s, what you would say in contact football, mm. in between the fives. Um, but definitely in the red zone, they they understood that they were bigger, more physical people than probably our outside guys were and took advantage of that by just throwing the ball up high. And you can't really defend against that one-on-one. So, yeah, we were we were outmanned to an extent on, on a lot of plays there. So that's probably why Sam doesn't appear on the score sheet in the same way he would do normally. Um, but certainly an effective weapon for them throughout the day, and and again, it was just it was a very clinical and, and well played game by the Supers. That I, I can't really take a lot away from them. You know, I'd, I'd love to moan about something, but we just didn't play very well, and they did. They've I mean, just gone from strength to strength this year, haven't they? Like they obviously had that uh, tough start at the beginning of the year. They lost both their first games, and to be honest, when we played them in game day two, they were definitely not firing all cylinders, and were looking a bit slow off the mark even though they won both their games and then ever since that it's just been supers as usual yeah but i think i think i mean i chat i've chatted to the supers a number of times throughout the season i always have really good conversations with them um i think they understand the game and the way it's structured quite well in that actually it doesn't really matter how you start and that's how you finish mm. and, and they they peak at the right times and they know if that you know if there's a playoff structure in play this year or if there was in future years they know that's kind of where you got to get to and then that is and then you prepare for that, really, and and I I don't I don't disagree with that sort of method that methodology. You know, yeah. not having Matt for that first game day is obviously going to hurt them and slow them down. But even you know, they've in, had him back and they've just rolled. Even in that first game day, yeah, they they got absolutely walloped by Cheltenham in the end. But the game against us, we we have beaten every team in this league by thirty points or more this year, other than the Supers, who we beat by four, and it was fortunate. So they're still a really good team. And Sam is used, I think, much in the same way that we, we use Shorty. I mean, Shorty, he's not scored as many touchdowns as he would like this year. But if there was a yardage stat, particularly for run after catch, the amount of ground he makes us and then somebody mm. else gets the stat by being slightly taller than him in the red zone. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. It's like it's like getting, you know, it's like in rugby when you run the run the length of the field and then pop it off to someone so they can put it under the posts. It's, exactly. It's that type of assist nature stuff. Um, and he had one of those days, but in, in general, yeah, clinical from the supers. But 
I, I, I'm not trying to just take responsibility for it, but I definitely didn't play my best game. Um, so I think you've it, hit the nail on the head with the Supers. They they peak at the right time, and this isn't the first time they've done it either, because it was 2019, they had a slow start, but in the games that mattered, they played their best football and ultimately, you know, run run the day on, uh, on, on finals day. So I think that's the perfect summation of... Uh, the supers is they, they peak at the right time and that's for sure yeah do you want to quickly uh, go over how Solent Redstorm did on the day on their affiliate game days and hopefully we'll see them in the league next season yeah um, I'm really pleasantly surprised by Solent I thought they for a new team and I'm not I'm, I, I never like to really touch on refing too much um, but for a new team I thought they refed the game fairly well in, in that first game and that's always a positive sign for for a team that's new um, that means they've got a, a fundamental understanding of how the, how the game should be managed um, they played Western first off and, and I couldn't tell you the score of that game because I was refing it um, which means I have no recollection of it whatsoever I was going game it to was get a play to play 47-18 to the Supers yeah and, and if I let you in on a little secret I think the Supers pulled the, the positions out the hat for that game um, Matt certainly yeah. wasn't playing quarterback Looking at the score sheet, there's a couple of different uh, passing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it was certainly it was certainly an entertaining game from the offense's point of view. I mean, defensively, I don't think they really changed too much because they're all quite athletic. Um, so yeah, Solent Solent did a nice blend in that first game of passing and running attack, um, and certainly saw a lot of success with their run game. Um, and they brought that into game two against us and the Kings. And I think the score of that, if I'm right, Lewis is about fifty something to. 10 something Kings Redstorm uh 54-12 yeah I, I if I say I was annoyed after I played <laughs> the supers and I just decided maybe we were going to score some points I might have done that um but we rotated on defense and, and Solent then decided they were going to stick to what had been working well with them in the in the first game which was a which was a strong ground attack that was quite varied in direction and uh, and, a, and a couple of handful of plays that were really targeted at one player. Um, so I'd say they've got they've got the facilities in terms of people to go on and do good things within our division. Um, they Who's definitely them? they definitely look quite questionable on defence in their structure, as you've touched on before, Gareth. They, they're doing that newbie thing where they're playing a lot of man coverage, and probably need to to move away from it. But they would very much finding their feet in that mm. first two sets of games on defence. Who's number 10 for the Kings? Is that Crag? That is Crag, yes. Six yes, he had something... Yeah, and I, I, I won't take anything away from Crag because he's a good player and he does read the game really, really well, but they, it was one or two of the same types of plays that they ran, um, so it wasn't particularly difficult to judge where the ball was going to go after a number of opportunities. Um but he, yeah, he did. He did certainly manage to, to take the ball away a couple of times and give us a good opportunity to go and score. Poor, poor old Pete, and I, I won't pronounce his surname because I'll get it wrong. Pete ran, picked the ball off in the, our own half and ran it back all the way to the half yard line where he was tackled. Bless him. Um, but he, he, he thankfully gave it up to just give me another stat and make me feel better. So uh, cheers, Pete. Great teammate. Got to look after your quarterback. Yeah, he's a very team focused guy, Pete. So they're, um, they're fragile people. Oh, yes, most certainly we are. None more than me. None more than me, Gareth. Um, you've seen me fall over. So, uh, so yeah, I've got a lot of love for Solent. I thought they were really good guys on the day. Um, couldn't really fault them in their attitude towards trying to get better. They were asking really good questions throughout the day. Um, they brought down a, a group of people that were, were there to not only play, but also learn. 
and and that's always good to see. Good. Hopefully, we shall see them in the league very soon. All right, so that covers off all the games for the final game of the 2021 season. Uh, let's quickly uh, just go through what we what we said for game of the week. So, Jay, you had Neptune's Devils. I think you're probably right in that, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Very, um, may- maybe the um, Gareth might suggest the Falcons Green Renegades game, which was his what was his pick for game of the week. It was um, certainly game of the week at our fixture, but uh, it would be hard to it, fr- from what I've heard of Neptune's Devils and from the scoreline. Uh, I'd I'd be hard pressed to vote against that. I think. I think. Gonna... Um, sorry, Lewis, you go. On. I was just going to say, I think there's uh, pros and cons to both. I think it's difficult to call a game that is nil-nil at half for the, for the best part of the game up to the last couple of minutes. Uh, unless you're freakishly excited by defensive playing, like uh, which, which I am. And I am. <laughs> Such weirdos. Um, but yeah. not, not many people are. Um, but, you know, I can, I can certainly see why an argument against it not being game of the week. Um, for that reason and then likewise as we've touched upon the uh, Neptune's Devils game despite you know being a one point game uh, I could understand an argument for there being you know well maybe the referees had too much to do with this game and, and, and nobody ever wants a game to be too affected by the referees I've always said that referees the best kind of game is one where the referee doesn't have to do or say anything um, and that was certainly not the case uh, in, in that game was um, yeah, the referees were very much involved in this game and had to be. Um, so I can understand any arguments for that not being. So maybe shared credit on that one. So uh, Jay and um, no, all, all three of you. I was the only one that picked Super's Kings to be Game of the Week. Uh, Jay, you had Neptune's Devils. So did Home Alone. Uh, and I can, I can certainly respect that. Um, and Renegades Falcons was Gareth's pick. So... I think shared credit uh, for those two games as games of the week. Uh, and just me with Super's Kings. Less exciting. Yeah. All I was going to say there was I was going to compare the uh, the um, Devil's Neptune's fixture to an, a, an old El Clasico for those football fans out there in its, <laughs> in its intensity. And uh, I really hope that fixture gets played again because I'm certainly sure if we, uh, if we got a good atmosphere going, it would really be quite tense. Did you hear that? That was the sound of a, a football joke going way over my head. <laughs> do you not know what El Clasico is, Lewis? <laughs> I, I do. Um, okay. But I, I couldn't recall... I was about to be embarrassed on your behalf. I, I, I know what it is by definition, but I couldn't recall a single time that I've ever watched one. <laughs> right, okay. Fair enough. What's what's the rugby equivalent? Um, England versus Wales in the millennium. Yeah, uh, maybe Scarlets versus Ospreys. Did you hear that? That's a rugby reference going way over my head. <laughs> Watch more sport, guys. <laughs> so, finally, um, the bold predictions. Uh, did anyone get ejected? No. Not in our game day? Nope. Well, uh, arguably there should have been some, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a conversation for another yeah. day. But yes, no, no, I, no, I, none I agree the, with you, Jay. Um, none in the, um, the Canesham game, either. Um I probably would have thrown my toys at the pram more if uh, if it didn't mean having to not play in the game later in the day. 
Uh, Gareth, Sam Matthews to finish top touchdown scorer. I don't believe he does. I think I think I might have annoyed Will quickly. He decided <laughs> just to go on a bit of a rampage this week. Yes, so Will finishes up the, the table with 21 touchdowns. Um, Vin Berry, who I think sat out most of, if not all of both the games. Um, I don't yeah, remember Vin- seeing him on the field for the Neptunes game. He certainly didn't play against us. Yeah, Vin picked up a, I want to say it's a hamstring injury in the Woking game uh, uh, okay. tournament and carried that over to the Cheltenham game. And I think I've had about three reps in there and decided that it wasn't the day for him to try and kill himself on that. So, uh, yeah, he didn't participate. Maybe a, a big big loss there for the Devils. Offense could have been a different game within, without their top scorer. Uh, anyway, that's pure speculation. Uh, Shorty ends the year with 15 touchdowns as well, 14 receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Uh, Luke gets 13, shared with Ed McKenna, 13. Sam finishes up the year with 14, uh, that being 12 receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Uh, but despite a 44-6 win, didn't get on the scoreboard. So he's sat in sixth place. Uh, so... No ball prediction for Gareth. Um, Home Alone uh, predicted that his brother Callum would lead the country in sacks, which is a very bold prediction. Uh, I seem to remember him coming away from the game. Um, he attempted to sack me in their second game of the day, uh, saying, come on, I just need one more, just need one more. Um, but actually, <laughs> if you look at it, uh, he's... On I've just looked seven, and and Chad is on twenty-five. So I think he was a little way off. <laughs> twenty-five sacks in eight yeah. games is obscene. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if it is. I think some of their game days they might play three teams. They might play three games. Even so, quarterback. But even so, yeah, twi- twenty-five sacks in four game days is stupendous. Mm. Um, I mean, kudos to Flo for getting 10 sacks in four games. The Cardiff Bay Coyotes, 25 is ridiculous. I've, Even I've for the Hurricanes. It, it is eight games. It is eight games. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, Callum. and Sorry, Home Alone. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, and then, as we've touched upon already, my bold prediction of uh, Jake Tillett finishing up the SWC, a little bit more conservative. I was... <laughs> No one is catching George Slade um, in in the interception race. Um, I think he's currently sat on 20. Uh, and Joe Cotterell's in second place with 14 interceptions. Mm. Uh, but Jake does finish top of the SWC with 11 touchdowns on the season, with Gareth nipping at his heels uh, with 10 and shortly on 9. Reese Jackson on nine as well with Cardiff Hurricanes. It hurts because I dropped one. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jake, Jake fully deserves it, but but I dropped one. I think Jake dropped one as well. If that makes oh, you okay. feel better, that, yeah. thank you. That does. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> uh, I remember grabbing him by the head, and I was just like, "What are you doing? You've got a bold prediction to bring through." <sighs> All right. So, anything else to to add, chaps? Well, we sort of covered the Chichester Challenge already. We failed miserably. Yes, yes, we did. 
It's almost like you're trying to kill this from the inside, Gareth. I think. <laughs> I think, with that. think that would be an accurate prediction. I hope that if if we if we are fortunate enough to be in the Premiership next year and we're, we're facing someone like the London Smoke or the Cardiff Hurricanes, that we can completely dispense with this idiotic se- segment. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say if uh, if they go to the Premiership next year, you might have to find a new team to pick on, Jay. <laughs> well, you never know. It might be a Falcons folly or something like that. Well, I'll <laughs> Don't come, do come that. A better I'm, alliteration. I'm far more susceptible to peer pressure. <laughs> well, yeah, don't tell me that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, that covers off the the last. Uh, bits of admin around the uh, SWC 2021 season. We do have uh, a little uh, surprise tidbit. Um, we are going to be running um, uh, SWC awards uh, on our next show. Um, and someone will have to remind me what we agreed. So we agreed that we would do a listener voted awards um and we will be asking our devoted listeners to vote for an mvp for the league um an offensive player of the year a defensive player of the year and for those three categories you have to vote for a team other than your own and then also a hometown hero someone from your own team who has done sterling work for the club for the season. It doesn't have to be the best player, but someone who's just made a difference. And then we'll announce all of those on the show, along with our selections for an SWC All-Star team, which will be completely unofficial because we're just three idiots with a podcast. Yes. Which There's means also... it's really official. <laughs> <laughs> There's also no actual awards. You'll just... You'll... <laughs> we're not going to be sending you trophies. But... Pride and yeah, dignity. If you really you can, want, uh, we'll start a short-term Instagram account and we'll tag you in the post and then close it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you will have the lovely warm feeling inside that uh, your peers and people you played against um, noticed that your uh, your efforts. So yeah, hopefully as many of you will get in, in touch uh, with that as possible, get involved, get voting. Um, we'll put a post out on... Uh, on the Facebook page with uh, all the associated Google Forms for you to get involved and get voting, vote for your MVPs. All right, so with that in the bag, chaps, uh, it has been a pleasure covering this season with you with you both. Likewise. Yeah, I've had a, a lot of fun uh, rinsing you, Lewis. It's been a good season. <laughs> Uh, and thanks as well to all the various different guests we've had on the show. Um, this is by no means the end. We've got a couple of other shows uh, lined up. Like I say, we've got the uh, awards that we'll do. We'll, we'll review the season and we'll, we'll take a look back on the predictions that we made at the beginning of the year uh, and see how right or wrong we were. Very wrong in some cases. Um, and like I say, we'll do the awards. We'll choose our... Uh, just between the three of us, our uh, all-division team. Um, I think we've got maybe an idea to run like a SWC fantasy draft. Um, and then we'll take it from there. We'll see what, uh, what other fascinating content we can bring you as the season starts to wind down. But for now, 
I've been Lewis Phillips. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and Fifteen Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customized sportswear supplies. Oh, 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 oh,